Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the gripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envy.
Radio's the highest. Perception is the key, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. TheSecretTeachings.info is the show website, TheSecretTeachings.info. The network website, TheFringe.fm. And if you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. As most of you know, this is our Fringe Fest week here on The Fringe FM. October 30th and October 31st, Halloween which used to be a three-day celebration, a three-day festival, like most of the holly or holy days on the Wheel of the Year, Samhain or Samhain or November Eve, as some have it, the Celtic New Year, November 1st, used to be a three-day festival leading up to the 1st of November. But we're going to celebrate it in a two-day festival, and we're going to do that with great speakers, and I really do mean that, really great speakers Most of these people are personal friends of mine, and those who are not personal friends, people we've interviewed before here on this show, and a couple of them I've never interviewed, but either Joe Roop or Gigi or someone else on the network was responsible for getting these guests. We have a lot of really great people. We have Charlie Robinson, who will be speaking this weekend. We have Brad Olson, who will be speaking this weekend. We have Karen Dahlman, who will not only be speaking this weekend, she will be on the show tonight with us in the second hour, so stay tuned for that. Charlie Robinson will be talking about his octopus of global control, but hopefully getting into some spooky areas. Brad Olson will be speaking about, he just got done with a TV show, and he told me when it was going to air, but I'm not allowed to say anything, but he did tell me that they were talking about occultism and the Vavelsberg Castle. For those of you who don't know Vavelsburg, this is where the SS performed a number of very strange rituals. Uh, Leo Zagami, who Brad Olson's publishing company, CCC Publishing, also publishes Leo's books. Leo did a private presentation for us at Contact in the Desert last year. We had a little get-together after the main event, and he showed us some of the ritual space in Vavelsburg. And Brad's going to talk about that, which takes you into the paranormal. And I'm not sure how far he's going to go, but he also, when Leo gave the presentation, he was talking about contacting kind of like extraterrestrial beings through this portal. And and, and this isn't speculation or woohoo. This is what the SS were doing. And it's not just the Nazis. I mean, there were mind control experiments There were psychic experiments, remote viewing experiments from the United States to the the USSR. Uh, I just don't like how everything, ooh, it's evil Nazis. Really, it's evil Nazis? Well, why don't you go have a look at what the Japanese did or what the Russians did or what the Americans did or what any other country with a series of scientists who had uh, moderate IQs were experimenting and dabbling in, including NASA, which was founded essentially with the support of Werner von Braun, the German rocket scientist, and then Jack Parsons, who I actually might be related to. I found that out, maybe. Not sure. But Jack Parsons, 
who was one of the founders of modern rocketry. Uh, this guy used to go out into the desert and he would say poems to the goat god Pan and then launch rockets off. You know, the connection to Aleister Crowley. All that's in my book, The Technological Elixir. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. So that's what Brad is going to be talking about, occult Vavelsberg. We've got Linda Godfrey hopefully joining us. She had some stuff come up that was very important, so she should be with us this weekend. If she's not, we'll have a fill-in speaker for her. We got Clyde Lewis. We got Jordan Maxwell. We've got Harold Kautz, who will also be on The Secret Teachings tomorrow night to talk about black goo and the heart. He has a new presentation on that, so he'll be on The Secret Teachings tomorrow night to talk about that if all goes as planned. And then unrelated to Fringe Fest, I should be having Don and David, the authors of What Really Makes You Ill, on the show again. Probably, th- I think it should be Thursday night, as so far as we have it planned out. It should be Thursday night. Don and David will be on the show. They wanted to talk a little bit about Halloween candy and some other stuff, which I thought would be fun for Halloween. They are a wealth of knowledge. And their book, What Really Makes You Ill, is a must-read if you're interested in anything from infectious and non-infectious disease to germ theory. And if you're really interested in germ theory, I'd recommend Dr. Nancy Appleton, who's been on the show in the past. She might have actually passed away by now. She was uh, very elderly. But she wrote a book called The Curse of Louis Pasteur. It's a really good book. If you want to check that out to learn a little bit about germ theory, And the original opposition to germ theory, which was that disease did not come from outside the body per se in the form of bacterium or viruses, but that what we classify as a virus is actually something excreted from the body. Not just an exosome, like Dr. Kaufman, who we've interviewed, was talking about, but it's literally poison being pushed out of your body. Just like a tumor, unless it's blocking something, is not necessarily detrimental to the body. But if you do a biopsy and open it up, then the poison comes out. Now the cancer spreads. I mean, these are really like basic, simple things that any actual doctor will tell you. I don't know. Actually, you could talk about that for Halloween. That would be pretty scary, I think. But So we've got all these great speakers. TheFringeFest.com. The, T-H-E, Fringe, like the network, F-R-I-N-G-E, Fest, F-E-S-T-S, or F-E-S-T, excuse me, TheFringeFest, with a T, dot com. To get your tickets today, they will be through Eventbrite. I think that's how you pronounce it. I've never used it before. What is it? Let me click on it. Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E. Fringe Fest 2020. And if you use my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, you'll get 15% off your ticket. And by the way, these aren't like $300 tickets where we promote it, and then you go to the website, and you're like, wow, I cannot afford that. It's like 10 or 15 bucks. so goes to the network, $10, $15, and you get to listen to all these speak. I mean, if you basically you paid $10, $15 bucks for a ticket, you get the 15% off, and, and you watch one day of the conference. I mean, that's that's worth $10, $15. Bucks. I mean, that's what you pay to go to a movie. But, but you can sit down and you can interact with some of your favorite speakers. I don't know how the technical stuff works, but this is what I know. I got the speak, I got a lot of the speakers, and I got a lot of the, uh, the original stuff set up. Now, on the other end... People on the Fringe FM, they're dealing with the technical things that I know nothing about. So I I don't know how they're doing that, but they're working on that and uh, doing it for you 
so that you can come and listen and watch and have a good time with us. Again, thefringefest.com. It's this Friday and this Saturday. And tonight we'll have Karen Dahlman on. Tomorrow, Harold Kautz. Thursday, Don and David, authors of What Really Makes You Ill. If you missed last night's show, it was a little bit different than what we're going to be doing the rest of the week, but it was a really important show because of the subject matter and the relationship to topical current events. I find it really interesting. You heard last night's show maybe and you think, Oh my God, can you stop doing politics? And it's like, I don't know if last night's show was a political show. It was called Dark Winter, World in Chains. And it talks about how at the presidential debate last night, or I talk about on the show, I should say, the presidential debate um, that was a couple of nights ago, Joe Biden said that we are headed toward a dark winter. He said, quote, we're about to go into a dark winter. And that just sounds like, oh, okay, just a random statement. Well, some people noticed that, even Politico noticed that, and people in the radio business, uh, myself, Clyde Lewis, I know, has talked about this for a while. We know, and you know, that Dark Winter was a 2001 smallpox biological attack scenario in which... As the disease progressed, they have this whole 40-something page script you can read from Johns Hopkins University. This whole thing put together, and it's basically a prediction, in a sense, of what a possible biological attack would look like. And in this case, they used smallpox. This was back again in 2001. And then, of course, you had about a decade ago, the Rockefeller Foundation lockstep scenario, one of four scenarios in their big report on ways in which the, the technology that we have today is going to advance and influence us in the future. And one of the scenarios was called lockstep, a world of tighter, top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. So lockstep, dark winter, a handful of other exercises, and Event 201 were exercises to predict what would happen in the event of, in the case of dark winter, where you have a really bad winter, heating costs are up, it's a terrible winter, perhaps an early winter, and you have this biological agent that's spreading in the form of smallpox. And we're heading into a winter. We have COVID-19. And we have, in some places like Minneapolis and Chicago, already the onset of a very early and perhaps a record-breaking winter. It's almost like the Rockefeller Foundation, Johns Hopkins University, who participated also in the Event 201 coronavirus, that was a novel coronavirus through the Bill Gates Foundation scenario back in late 2019, just like a month before China announced, yes, somebody ate a bat, which we know is also not the source of what is happening. Seems like they kind of predicted the future, right? And then you go to fact check or clarify that, and prediction is the key word here, because that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Prediction's the key word, because you go back and you look at, I was watching some news reports today about lockstep and about dark winter. They even incorporated it into a video game. So I think it was a Tom Clancy game. And so I'm going back and I'm listening to this, and there was a news thing I came across. They're like, did, did Lockstep really predict COVID-19? And then they got this guy up there, you know, 
with his black rim glasses, and he's like, well, technically it did predict that there's going to be a pandemic, but it happened in this year, and this was the scenario, and so it does not predict COVID-19. It's like, do you want them to publish a document that says COVID-19, it starts on this day, and this, 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 and this is going to happen? See, that wouldn't be a prediction. That would be a script. Now, you can write a script that parallels something, and the script, as it parallels something, is never going to be exactly what happens. It's just kind of like a guideline, and then whatever happens takes on a life of its own, and it naturally progresses. So, yeah, the Rockefeller Foundation, yeah, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, yeah, Johns Hopkins University, yeah, all of these different groups, all of these different organizations, all of the uh, even components of the military were involved. In the bioterrorism exercise, it was held at Andrews Air Force Base, and it was also held on June 22nd through June 23rd, which so just so happens to be Letha, the summer solstice. I'm sure there's no reason why they chose that exact date. And as we move closer to Halloween, Halloween is a time of prediction. It's a cross on the will of the year from Beltane or Walpurgis. Big Beltane fires were lit. Divinatory practices were performed. Samhain, the fall, famine, death, starvation. Moving into the winter, the black horse to the pale horse. Samhain, Halloween... Rough times. Divination was a key part of that, predicting the future. Are we going to survive? Are we going to have enough food? What are we going to do for sustenance? How are we going to make it through this? Now, we don't really have to worry about that today. We go down to Wegmans. We go down to Publix. We go down to, hopefully, you have a Sprouts. That's one of the best grocery stores. You go down to a Giant Eagle. You go down to a Kroger. Maybe you have a company deliver your meal in a box. I don't know. Maybe you eat candy bars all the time from the dollar store. I don't know. Maybe you go down to your restaurant and get takeout. But you have easy access to food. So divination today is not the same as it used to be. And sometimes you can use a plan, right, an understanding of how something's going to work. And it might not be a plan like you developed, but it could be an analysis of the way things are going economically, socially, uh, whatever. And then you you get an idea of how this pattern progresses, where it's going in the future, and then you can kind of map out the dangers and what might happen. And then when you have that scenario, it's not exactly what you planned per se, but it does have some similarity to it. And that's what lockstep is. That's what event 201 is. That's what dark winter is. And so going back to what I said, there's that one person that always says, Ryan, you do too many political shows. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about, dude? What do you mean a political show? Yeah, Joe Biden said we're going towards a dark winter. He said, quote, we're about to go into a dark winter. That's a very significant statement because of the bioterrorism exercise in 2001. That's a prediction. It is a plan. And if it's not a prediction or a plan in some nefarious sense, it's analyzing potential threats conducting exercises, and then when it actually happens, you're more well prepared for it. Maybe it was planned. I don't know. The point is, with all these different exercises from Event 201 last year to back to 2001 with Dark Winter, 
and others in between, including Lockstep, the Rockefeller Foundation, right in the middle, there actually have been plans made to deal with what's happening, and yet nothing seems to work except for the totalitarian measures that have been rolled out in lockstep with one another across the world, from governors to prime ministers to presidents, etc. So that part of it is certainly planned and organized because, again, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, so you smash it, smash it, smash it, and you don't actually need to obliterate liberty to have safety. You need the opposite. You need freedom to have safety. Too much government oversight, too much bureaucracy, too much control. This creates a sick, diseased of the body and the mind world. Governments will make it, always will make it worse. Always will make it worse. Whether it's food, which leads to starvation in every communist regime, or it's the control of certain things like disease, which leads to experimentation, leaks out of laboratories, whatever disease might be, biological, chemical agents, They're testing on something in the laboratory. They're modifying something genetically. Fauci sent the material to the Chinese. It's in Newsweek, even. At the NIH, under the Obama administration, illegally, apparently it was illegal to transfer this material and tell the Chinese to work on it with millions of dollars. So you can say that's political. To me, what it sounds like is a well-thought-out, well-planned, totalitarian, authoritarian, global government agenda to literally conquer the planet and bring in what Bill Cooper said was a one-world socialist, totalitarian, authoritarian government, and that is the plan. And I used to think, like, well, I don't want to be accused of believing in that. And then I thought, yeah, what does it matter what I'm accused of? I'm reading the documents. I've literally got a copy of Lockstep, well, one of the four scenarios. I've literally got a copy of Dark Winter here on my desk. Do you think I just printed that out for fun? No, I've, re- I've actually read these things. And I'm presenting them to you. So it's very important. Now, you might think, what is this show tonight? I thought it was divination. I thought Karen Dahlman was coming on. She is coming on in the second hour. But all that stuff that we just talked about from last night, that's all divination. It's all predicting the future. Because what we're experiencing today was talked about in 2001 and 2010 and 2019. Different scenarios, yes, but predictions. And that's what a prediction is. That's what divination is. Connecting with the energy at the moment, tarot reading, Ouija boards, and then moving into a position where you can use that energy and fulfill what has been predicted or told to you because time is a loop and you are communicating with perhaps your higher self, something in a future timeline or the timeline that you are in, but in the future, which brings us the subject of retro causality and things of the future affecting things of the past. It's a looped, closed circuit. And there's no time in these other worlds, these other dimensions where we communicate with these spirits, not demons communicate with spirits. Some morons like to summon demons and they don't know what they're doing, but communicate with spirits, spirit animals, whatever they might be. And that's what Halloween is all about. It's communicating, it's wearing costumes to welcome or wearing costumes to frighten, leaving food out to welcome or leaving food out to frighten uh, or to rather appease those things that are frightening, which is the classic trick or give us the treat. It's actually a threat. Give us a treat. We'll go away. We won't trick you. Halloween, divination, divinatory practices. And you know that divination 
is like one of the oldest things that, anthropologically speaking, people have done all throughout the world since the beginning of recorded time. It could be praying to God, something as simply as that. It could be an idea that it's flooding or it's a bad storm because the gods were not appeased. So if we do certain ritualistic things, the gods will be appeased and then we will not have these terrible storms, or maybe it's a drought instead. Trying to understand nature, putting a a human uh, image upon it, projecting the human image, the human experience, anthropomorphizing it. That is scientific observation. In fact, the television, uh, the radio, at least Marconi's radio, Tesla, accordingly, um, according to the United States government, actually invented the radio before Marconi, but the television, the radio, and so many of these beautiful, scientific, incredible technological developments were because of people trying to communicate with spirits. Science is observation. Myth is observation. Divination is observation. Divination, by extension, is science. There's a science to it. It's not a physical science, per se. The tools are physical. It's more of a spiritual science. We're going to talk about divination tonight on the broadcast a big data dump of divination here in the second segment of the show coming up in just a second. And then Karen Dahlman joins us in hour number two tonight on The Secret Teachings. Check out thefringefest.com to get your tickets to Fringe Fest this Friday and Saturday, October 30th, October 31st. Karen Dahlman will be speaking. Harold Kautz will be speaking. And Harold will be with us tomorrow night on the show right here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. If you'd like to subscribe to our archive to hear more, www.thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. More after this, Divination and then Karen Dolman. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM. Hi, this is Karen Dahlman, author of The Spirit of Creativity and Body Your Soul's Passion, and my most recent book, the Spiritual Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. And you are listening to the most awesome show, The Secret Teachings. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information, and your opinion, or give recommendations, if you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family 
With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing Montage Archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th, and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, the choice is yours. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password. your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. The music tonight, Carl Casey, White Bat Audio. That's White Bat Audio on YouTube. Gave us permission to use the music on the show, and I'm really enjoying it. Carl Casey, White Bat Audio. Our website is www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can find the archive. It's also where you can find links to the Fringe Fest. Or you can just go to thefringefest.com to see all the great speakers coming up this weekend at Fringe Fest. Karen Dahlman, one of those speakers, she'll be with us tonight in the next segment and the final segment, so the final hour, the second hour of the show. Karen A. Dahlman will be with us, karenadahlman.com. little promotion before she comes on. She's been a good friend of ours here at The Secret Teachings for probably five years, maybe six years. It's been a long time since we've uh, first talked to Karen. And Karen does the Ouija board, as most of you know. A lot of people might think, well, the Ouija board, that's demonic, or it's evil, or it's really cool. I want to use it and play with it. I think both those perspectives are a little inaccurate. We'll probably talk to Karen about that because I get really agitated when it comes to those kinds of things. But I used to be one of those people, too. I used to think, oh, it's so cool. After, of course, I grew up in a household where it was really evil. So I went to the opposite side of the spectrum, and then I realized, oh, it's not really evil or good. It's just a neutral tool. 
which is really what any form of divinatory practice is all about. I call tonight's show Contacting the Divine or Contacting the Divining because divining or divination comes from the word divine. And the word divine, of course, relates to those things that are holy, those things that are godlike, those things that are of the gods. They are divine powers. They are excellent powers, delightful powers, powerful energies. This is what the gods are, consciousnesses. The planets have their own consciousnesses. They have their own signatures, their own energies. So we're contacting the divining. We're contacting the divine, but we're doing it through our five-sense body. We're doing it through the tools that we have, be that a Ouija board or a pendulum. And a Ouija board could just as easily be a piece of paper that you draw letters on and you make a planchette out of what Karen Dahlman does sometimes. She'll show people you can do it out of, a, out, of a, out of an old CD or an old DVD with the little hole in the middle. Put that on your piece of paper. Or maybe your pendulum is just a necklace. And you can do it out of uh, any number of items that you have around the house. You don't have to go to a metaphysical store to buy these tools. You can use the tools you have around your house. You can make those tools. When you make a tool in magic, it has your energy even more so than if you were to go out and purchase it, of course, because you're investing your time and energy into making that tool. And then you perform that divinatory practice. Now, you shouldn't really be, in my opinion, you shouldn't really be asking like questions uh, of a really personal, like worldly desired th- nature. Uh, like, you know, who, who's going to be my, my, uh, my husband or who's going to be my wife? May- maybe we can have those conversations with spirits, but I feel like that's kind of like a waste of time. We're talking to things that are in another world, just as much a part of our world, but hidden behind the veil that is lifted on Halloween. I think we can come up with some better questions. You know, I'm sure there are people today that would be like, well, if I got to talk to God and ask him a question, I'd probably ask him, God, who do you think should win the U.S. presidential election? Are you a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter? Like people are so, you know, you know, you ever seen that Family Guy episode, like one of the first episodes where uh, Meg, she joins that cult and (laughs) that girl comes over to the house and everybody knows there's something wrong with the girl. But Meg is, you know, totally alone. She has no friends, no no boyfriend, no prospects. So this girl, like, which is what cults do, they come to the vulnerable and they promise to be your friend and they offer you all this stuff and talk to you really nice. And that girl, there's like something wrong with her in the episode and she's like her eyes twitching and her head's like cocked to the side and she moves around real fidgety. That's like anybody that's on the political spectrum it's like the political autism spectrum. That's how they act to me. Like, hey, you're going to vote for Trump? You're going to vote for Trump? You're going to vote for Biden? What do you think about Biden? Biden's a cool guy, right? I like Trump. I like Trump. Oh, oh, Kamala Harris. Oh, Mike Pence. They're just like there's something wrong, you know? I don't know. That's just what I think. I think of that cult girl from Family Guy. But I don't think that spirits are so concerned about those worldly affairs. So maybe we should be asking through the material, physical world, we should be asking, and this is an opinion, should be asking things of, of, of another nature. Again, that is my opinion. And whether you recognize it or not, a lot of the things that we practice as a tradition or something that's cultural, a lot of these things are rooted in the ancient world. 
in the sense that practices like divination, which is where we use a tool and we seek knowledge of the future by some supernatural means, these practices are as old as mankind. And although they might be, not be done for the same reasoning, they're done today nevertheless. There are so many avenues for communicating with spirits or predicting future outcomes. One of the most popular, of course, being the Ouija board. But there are others that you do and you might not even think about, which I think this is really funny. When I went to Baptist school or Baptist church, maybe when I was in like fourth, third, fourth, fifth grade, probably maybe in second or third grade, I was really young. And in a Baptist school, it's not maybe as bad as Catholic, but they had their rules on the length of a girl's skirt or shorts or how, you know, how boys could dress. And it was all about God and all, all this. And then we go to like the Halloween stuff at the church and they'd be bobbing for apples. And I thought, well, I don't think bobbing for apples is evil, but back then if I'd have known this, I would have probably had some fun with some of the other parents and been like, yeah, you know where apple bobbing came from? And they're like, no, where did it come from? You know, apples, they're like, it's in Genesis, isn't it? I'd be like, well, yeah, there's an apple or a pomegranate or a lizard or something in that, a snake. Uh, but apple bobbing is actually one of the most practiced forms of divination culturally and traditionally. And it's practiced alongside of other traditions like throwing flowers at a wedding and somebody catching them. And what happens in that case? Well, whoever catches them gets married next, right? That's divination. And whoever bites the apple... Well, you might get married next. That's divination. In fact, the old form of apple bobbing was when they put the apple on a string and hang it off of a tree, and then you'd have to try to bite it, which is not as easy as it sounds. But if you could bite it, you might be the next one to get married. And again, the divination that we practice today has little of the original purpose because the original forms of divination were means by which to derive peace out of a harsh world when you wouldn't have food perhaps shelter, things were just very, very difficult. And we have difficulties today for different reasons and other reasons. And we practice different kinds of divination today. But different problems, different divinations, same exact human psyche. Now from Beltane, the midpoint between the spring equinox, Ostara, and the summer solstice, Letha, Directly across the wheel of the year, from April 30th to October 31st, you find Samhain, or Halloween. And the central theme in both of them, including Yule, the winter solstice, Christmas, the Yule logs, Imbolc, Condomass, lighting the candles as the fire begins to rise into the spring equinox, Ostar, and then Beltane, and then the summer solstice, the sun is the most high, working in the kingdom of his father in heaven. And then the sun declines and starts to fall, moving from the winter, the pale horse, to the white spring horse, to the red summer horse, to the black fall horse, starvation, disease, death, famine, from Beltane and Halloween to any other day on that wheel of the year. All the other celebrations and changing of the seasons, the central theme has always been fire to preserve light warmth and goodness, as opposed to darkness, coldness, and evil, which are the three principal components of hell, not fire, but a cold, dark ice palace. 
as Dante described in Canto 34, I believe it was. So fire, sacrifice to appease, and divination of the future were always the central themes. As with any tough times, there's always some form of sacrifice, you know, Politically today, people say, well, I don't really like this person. They did bad things, but they're better than that person. I'm going to sacrifice the country for this person, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, we do this with, we see this at least with the rioting. We're going to burn down the country if things don't go the way we want. And it's all done for maybe different reasons, but ultimately, subconsciously, it's the same thing. Fire, sacrifice, trying to predict the future. Who's going to win the presidential race and what's going to happen we're concerned whether it's legitimate or not and so we maybe turn to politicians some people turn to god some people turn to spirits whatever it is that we turn to we're looking for answers we're trying to understand we're trying to figure out what is going on how is this world working from behind the scenes that's the whole point of magic that's what scientific observation is in fact if anybody's ever studied um, Isis, a goddess in Egypt, and you've read, maybe you read in The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manley Hall or any number of other great books on magic and myth and history, they'll tell you that Isis is a goddess who is veiled. Well, Isis is nature, and the true fundamental workings of nature are veiled until you observe them understand them and study them, they remain hidden behind a veil. So the knowledge of the cosmos and nature was and remains today hidden behind an occult veil which is impenetrable to mortal man, which also means women, for those of you who can't understand that the origin of the word mankind meant all people, but nevertheless, mortal man, people that were mere worldly individuals, those who chose to pierce the veil through working beyond the physical were not mere mortals because they were immortal in the sense that they recognized the, the, the essence of being is, a, a, is essentially a, an everlasting life, which is why you gain everlasting life when you become, well, indoctrinated slash initiated into the Christian cult, just like any other cult. Islam's a cult. It's not necessarily a bad cult, but it's a cult, just like Mithraism was a cult based on the, 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 the worship of the slain of the bull, Taurus. Mithra was a cult, and this is a cult that is a good cult in a sense. Christianity preserved some of the finer, although misunderstood and misinterpreted, mysteries that allowed a mortal man to pierce the veil of Isis. So to have information pertaining to future events was considered a very important thing when people were trying to live their daily lives in a state that was very unstable. And so we do the same thing today. We just have a different unstable state for a different reason. In order to find a standard of order in the cosmos, priests turned to the heavens. They used the stars, astrology, and astronomy, which were the same thing till about the 16th, 17th century. And, and they looked at the, the movements of the planets and the stars, believing they were expressions, as I think that they are, of universal law and their influences upon earthly affairs. 
and they were taken seriously, and this was used to kind of predict and determine outcomes of the future. We do this with astrology today. Admittedly, it's one field of study that I'm not in, not even close to being an expert in. Like, I really, I understand it. I just don't have it memorized yet. I need to sit down and start to look at astrology a little bit more directly. I mean, I understand all the symbols and the zodiac. I just, I just haven't, something hasn't clicked yet. So I'm, I'm kind of working on teaching myself that. And that doesn't mean that I'm an expert in anything else except for maybe symbols. I, I'm just saying that like astrology of all the things, like I don't know anything really about astrology compared to some of you and compared to some other people that I know uh, personally that are just way beyond me when it comes to uh, consulting the stars, if you will. But all of this is based on divining the future. So whether it's a whirling dervish, you know, the whirling dervishes or people that you go out and dance. Dancing is um, part of the, the magic of Pan, the author of sacred dances. You do it, you feel energy, you get in tuned with it. And once you're in tune with it, you can kind of flow with that energy and you can see backwards and forwards and in the present and use that energy to determine future outcomes. And so there have been all these different methods of divination that have been practiced throughout recorded history. Some of them are really weird, but when you think that's really weird, you also have to think today there are things we do that are really weird, and maybe that wasn't so weird. Maybe it's just you know the times in which it was done. Like, for example, I don't think anyone alive living today, maybe they have, but I don't think anybody alive living today has gotten a chicken and gone out and placed, you know, like a bunch of chicken feed or a rooster, placed a bunch of feed out somewhere in, you know, a field or whatever, and then put letters around it and see which pile of food the rooster goes over and pecks at. And then we, that's the letter. And then they go to another one. That's the letter. That was an early form of the Ouija board. It was called electromancy. I don't think, probably there's probably nobody alive who's ever done that. So that seems like archaic. And sure it is. It's archaic. Definitely it's antiquated, but we do other things like this today. We still use the Bible in a similar way. Open the Bible, point to something. That's bibliomancy. That's the same exact kind of a practice as using a Ouija board. And the thing about this is, if you understand nature and you understand the laws of nature by implication and extension, then you could see that an individual with this knowledge who understood how the wind blew, per se, an invisible force, they see the clouds, they know that it's going to rain, they know that it's going to storm, and they could impart this knowledge to the priests or as a priest and they would look like they can predict the future. I mean, that's what weather people do, isn't it? They predict the future based on radar. Well, one of the early forms of divination was really one of the early forms of, in a sense, it was one of the early forms of meteorology, was called astromancy. It was divining the future by wind. Seeing which way the wind's blowing and then divining the future through wind. And that's pretty incredible. There are so many different forms of divination. Like, for example, I, I have a little, it's, it's supposed to be for burning like charcoal or something, but I burn incense sticks in it. 
and the incense sticks burn down or the wood burns down, and then you get this ash in the bottom. Well, I could use that to divine. Capnomancy is divination by interpretation of smoke from a burnt offering on a sacrificial altar. Sometimes they use the the altar itself. They use the ash to determine the future, or they'll, of course, use the intestines of the animals, but people really don't do that anymore. That's called hepatoscopy, hepatoscopy. The diviner monitors how the parts of burnt offering interact with the sacred sacrificial flame. They then determine if the sacrifice was acceptable to the gods before searching for the answers that they sought. Telling future events by interpreting random selections of playing cards, cartomancy. Divination by wax, ceromancy. There are so many different kinds of divination. Bones, wax, smoke, wind. Here's an interesting one. Divination by fingernails. Onicomancy. Divination by fingernails. You can do it by fingernails. It's not about the tool being developed. It's about by you, it's using your energy. The tool is just there to focus your attention, to focus your energy. Here's another one. I've seen people actually do this. Divination by egg is accomplished by reading the leaked contents such as its yolk. And this is with two O's, umency. Umency. Divination by studying a spring or a fountain. You go to the park, you see a nice little spring. Pagomancy. There's so many different kinds of divination. And we all divine every day, every computer, every phone, every tablet you look into. You are divining, my friend. You are divining. This is called scrying. Divination by peering into a medium such as a crystal ball, which is also known as crystallomancy, or some other form of lens. Black mirrors are prepared with the black volcanic glass that we know as obsidian. The magician looks into the mirror hoping to acquire some vision of what he desires, such as an image that may answer a question. These are the famous magical mirrors. Magic mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Today we stare at our black mirrors, our televisions, phones, computers, tablets. And they tell us what the future will be. They tell us how to act, how to interact, how to react, how to live our lives. Divination by suggestion, by implication, by programming. That's why it's television programming. And of course, some other forms of famous divination include the broomstick or the bosom and geomancy. Geomancy is probably one of the most popular for those who study divinatory practices. You also have ruins. You can't forget ruins. And some people just like to open up a book and touch something. So I think that's what I'm going to do here before we get Karen Dahlman on the show. I'm going to do a little bit of uh, bookmancy. I've got my book, Occult Arcana, here on my desk. I have a huge section on divination in it. You can get this book on the website at thesecretteachings.info. It's $35 for the book, free shipping in the United States, but we do ship overseas. It just is another cost for the shipping because it's self-published. I have the copies, I autograph them, and I ship them out. So this is on the website at thesecretteachings.info. You can't get it anywhere else or it's just a scam. Someone's trying to sell it. 
So that's the plug for the book, but I'm going to open it up randomly. I'm going to push you know, my finger onto the page and select something, and then we'll just read it, okay? Let's see what we do here. And then you can interpret what it means. It might mean something good, bad, or neutral. All right. Here we go. And I've touched on this paragraph. The intent of the alchemists is to assist in the liberating of the spirit hidden or trapped in matter. And then I must have referenced here, because I don't have the context for the rest of this paragraph, uh, something Jesus said in the Bible, quote, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed, and for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. End quote. And I concluded that statement by saying, Just as Jesus turned water into wine, so too can the water or lead of man be transmuted into spiritual wine or gold. The wheat from a successful harvest can also be reaped and turned into bread, which is, of course, as commentary out of the book, is your last supper consuming the bread the body of the solar Savior, which impregnates the earth and gives rise to those crops. And that's the killing of the king ritual that you see. That's probably one of the most profound and powerful statements that I could have turned to, and I think it really describes the show. Right from the Bible, too. So this is like bibliomancy and bookomancy. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. That's a little bit of divination for you. What does that mean to you? I don't know. It's what it means to you that matters. Karen Dahlman coming up on the broadcast in the second hour here in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot more after this. Check out our website at thesecretteachings.info. You can grab a copy of this huge book, Occult Arcana, or my other books. You'll get digital access to these books, though, when you subscribe to the archive. And you'll get access to the montage archive, which has last night's montage, Dark Winter, already uploaded. www.thesecretteachings.info To contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable. And thefringefest.com for the conference coming up this weekend with great speakers like Karen Dahlman, who's coming up in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable right here on The Fringe FM. fringe check out the fringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows 
Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this... And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week, and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you... Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are the Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and soft cover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. 
www.thepeacefulpeoplesource.info. What happens when you bring the Fringe FM together with the world's leading paranormal experts and influencers? What if no topic was off the table, including paranormal events, conspiracy theory, witchcraft, psychic abilities, astrology, ufology, and more? And what would happen if you broadcast this event in crystal clear video live around the world, allowing viewers to interact with their favorite presenters? You would have created the monster that is the Fringe Fest 2020. Two nights only, Friday, October 30th and Saturday, October 31st. Go to thefringefest.com for more info. Get your tickets today at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, it's up to you. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future I'll coexist on the same timeline. Welcome to a future where our true re- reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And check out our website at thesecretteachings.info. Don't forget about the network website the fringe fm and our conference website thefringefest.com i know that's a lot of information but you can find links to all of that on our website thesecretteachings.info the fringe fest 2020 our first hopefully annual fringe fest coming up this friday and saturday october 30th and october 31st we have a lot of speakers Friday and Saturday, mixed in with some other fun stuff and live music. You can still get your tickets at thefringefest.com. And for a discount, you can use my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Just visit thefringefest.com. We're trying to promote that, obviously, pretty consistently and hard this week because this is the last week to get your tickets. We have all the speaker spots booked from Harold Counts to Jordan Maxwell to Clyde Lewis, to Guy Winters, who we've had on the show a long, long time ago to talk about ghosts. In fact, a Halloween many, many years ago, when we were still broadcasting out of Orlando, we talked to Guy Winters about that Green Castle ghost. Some of you might remember that. It's a really interesting story. And so we tried to get 
a number of people together who we thought would be able to provide a very good, clear explanation, people that are very good public speakers. Not all public speakers are good public speakers. And something that would be in the theme of the fringe, which is on the edge between the normal and the paranormal. And this is what we've set up for you. TheFringeFest.com is where you can find more information out about that. Tonight we've been talking about divination, contacting the divining. And whether you recognize it or not, most of our traditions, most of our superstitions, a word simply meaning things that are left over from the past, they have a really deep root in the ancient world. A lot of the things that are considered divination, if you've ever read a book on magic or divinatory practices, or if you've read my book, Occult Arcana, I have an entire chapter on divinatory practices. Divination is to seek knowledge of something through an abnormal avenue, through supernatural means. And all of these divinatory practices, many of which might be modernized, they go back to the ancient world and they're about as old as mankind. There are so many different avenues of communicating with spirits or predicting the future, predicting future outcomes, one of the most popular being the Ouija board. And so tonight I've asked my friend Karen Dahlman to come on the broadcast to talk about the Ouija board and other methods of divination and a little bit about what she's going to be talking about at Fringe Fest. She'll be speaking at Fringe Fest this weekend. And one of the things about the Ouija board that you might not know, or any divinatory tool, and that's what it is, I think, I think it's just a tool, is that it's really no different than the Bible. You might think that's blasphemous, but if you pick up a Bible, a Bible is paper, maybe it's a little bit of cardboard, it's ink, depending on how nice your Bible is, maybe you have something, you know, like a leather-bound Bible, but it's basically paper, cardboard, ink, Maybe some plastic. You have like a really, really fancy Bible. Sometimes you get that plastic lettering. That's basically what a Ouija board is. It's ink, paper, maybe a sticker, some wood. It's basically the same thing. And when you open the Bible and you put your finger on a verse and you let God speak to you or the Holy Spirit speak to you, that's divination. Now, you might be aware of that, but one thing you might not be aware of that's really interesting, we talked about it earlier, is apple bobbing is probably one of the most practiced forms of divination, at least around fall. You go to church, and they apple bob. And apple bobbing is basically like catching flowers at a wedding. It signifies something else that is going to happen to an individual, like being married or the next person to be something. Usually it's being married or finding and having a partner. And from Beltane which is the midpoint between the spring equinox and the summer solstice, all the way to Samhain or Halloween, which is this week, Halloween 2020. The central theme has always been fire, sacrifice, and divination of the future because as with any tough times, people turn to God, they turn to spirits, spirit communication, and they even turn to politicians to help them. Even if they think politicians are the reason for the problem, they turn to another politician on the other side of the aisle looking for someone or something else to give us answers. I think, Karen, that we can probably find more answers in a talking board or in a deck of cards or maybe even in a little bin of apples than we can in the political system. I don't know. What do you think? Welcome back to the show, my friend. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be learned about yourself and the world at large through using these tools. 
And I do want to reiterate what you just said is that they are just tools. The tools don't do the work. We do the work. And so we may use, for example, the trow cards, which is based on symbols. It's really just a language of symbols and signs, uh, concepts and ideas in the pictures. And that if you look at them, you can start beginning to tell yourself a story. And it's a reflection of your own inner thoughts that becomes part of the reading with the tarot cards. Yeah, there's certain the cards mean certain things and and the certain um or specific suits mean certain things too. But what you can't help separate yourself from using the cards and projecting your own thoughts upon them. So when we use any of these tools, what happens is you can't remove your own filters, your own belief systems from using them. And thus you start getting, um, if you get anything that you don't like, it's really a reflection of yourself. And people want to throw that, you know, throw that around and say, no, the board's evil or these cards are negative or bad or the apple's bad. But truthfully, whatever happens when you're doing divination, it's all reflection of yourself. That's right. And divination is coming from the word divine anyway. We have a little bit of that inside of us, right? It's divine. We do. Ourselves. We do. And, you know, to really have this conversation, we have to go back to Platonic philosophy because the Platonic doctrine teaches us that the, the originality of anything kind of comes from these universal, indestructible forms and ideas that, that's really from the one being. And so even the early Greek and Roman churches or, or churchmen based their principles upon this idea that there's this one being, that there's this universal uh, concepts and ideas that we can tap into. And that's really where the idea of divination came from, um, from the Platonic thought. And then the Neoplatonic uh, group of thinking too took it a little step further, which then developed more into things such as theurgy and seomancy and the ability to divine with um, your higher self or, or, or kind of creating a science around it that you can tap into this, this greater consciousness. And then it became more of a, Seomancy um, became more of communicating with the spirits of the dead. But technically and truthfully, that's what the Bible's based upon, all kinds of voices and experiences of communicating with other energy forms, spirits, whether it's um, God from Moses, God, you know, top, top of the mountain with the, with the, uh, commandments or the burning bush speaking, it all was a form of this. So, right. um, w what's happened is just, it's become more traditionalized in other areas like of the occult of what that, which is a hidden, cause that made it, they had to go underground with a lot of these techniques because the church wanted to take control of who had the ability to communicate with this divine presence or these spirits and anybody else do it. You can't, it's wrong. Shame, shame on you, you, you know, off with your head kind of thing. So all and these, so they, went, they went underground. It became hidden, didn't it? It, it did. And all these divinatory practices, they're kind of like uh, different kinds of soda or chips at the store. Every company has their version and they want you to buy it. <laughs> very, very well said. Yeah, buy, buy this buy this one, and this is the only one you can use. Or you must go through us, we'll do it for you. Right, so, you right. Know, when, in the 1400s, 14th century, when um, when Tarot started developing, uh, the, the idea of cards, I should say, and then it developed into the Tarot and the, the images, and um, it became really rich with symbolism. It, it, that's kind of an underground way, too, where people were starting to do their divination. So they had their tools, they had their techniques, but again, we must remember it comes from the person who's doing it. That's where all of this work comes from. Do you know where the, the actual playing cards come from? Do you know what they signify? You ever read about that? I have. Um, what I understand is that when they first developed, they they had to do with the different, um, I guess I was going to say the different, what would you call it, 
ideas that were happening in Europe, like with the kings or queens or, or different uh, sects of, or sages and, and different levels of, of society. That's what I understand. Now, what's your take on that? I, I think that's part of it. I've read about how the, the, sim, the symbolism of the card in color is the black and the red, which signifies both the, the fall and winter and then the spring and summer, which are red. And that relates also to the, you know, the four horses of the apocalypse, black mm-hmm. for fall, white or pale, rather, for winter. And then you have the white horse and red coming for spring and for the summertime. But they relate um, to everything from the four seasons to the Sephirothic trees uh, and the Kabbalah. Uh, the 13 cards of each suit are like the 13 lunar months in each year where the cycle restarts, the 52 cards, the 52 weeks of the year. So that's a lot of incredible occultism, esotericism, nature, whatever you want to call it, placed into playing cards where if you just went to Vegas and were going to casinos or something, you wouldn't think that, but it's all right there. It's pretty cool, I think. It's very cool. You So you had the spades, clubs, hearts, and diamonds, which became in the tarot cards. So, so the spades are the swords, the clubs are the wands, the hearts are the cups, the diamonds are the pinnacles. So they started using the more that symbolism that came out of that era of, you know, the kings and queens and how they were living and all that stuff. But you're right. There's so much more depth to these cards. Now, I read tarot cards. I use them, and I'm doing a lot of readings these days, and I really enjoy just working with symbolism, pure symbolism, as opposed to what I'm told the cards mean, although they do have meaning. Um, I prefer to look at them and, and then jump off. They're like, they're like a springboard for me, and I jump off into – the unknown, and then I start getting all kinds of messages. But I use them as a starting point, which is kind of interesting. So many people use these cards, and they'll use them traditionally with the symbolism and stuff you're talking about, Ryan. Others will use it, like myself, as a starting point just to get a bearing and then jump off from there. And then then we open our minds and our hearts to receive all kinds of information. I don't remember where I read this. I think I read it in The Mirror of Magic by Kurt Seligman. But I, I was reading about something called electromancy, not electric, but electromancy. Have you ever heard about that? I have not. Tell me about that. Yeah, this is one of the stranger ones I read about, but it's called electromancy, A-L-E-C-T-R-O-mancy. And specifically, they say this in the book, or I think it was The Mirror of Magic, but he writes that this was divination by means of a rooster, and it was particularly a precursor to the Ouija or talking board. And I don't know why... They made reference to the Ouija board, but they said it was a precursor. Maybe it was one of many forms of divinatory practices, but basically you'd use a rooster and you'd put like a circle of feed around it with different letters and wherever the rooster went and pecked at the feed, you'd write that letter down. So I guess it's kind of like a board. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, there there were definitely, even before the Ouija came up, came along, and that was, it came along in 1890 and 91, 1891, it received its patent. Before that, you can go back, I usually talk to people about 1886, when there was a witch board that was out there, and it was given that year to President Grover Cleveland, and when he married his young, young wife, 27 years um, younger than him, <laughs> and he, he had his wedding actually in the White House, but he was given that board, and we know that because it went, the, the letter that was sent to, um, President Grover Cleveland, with along with the board, it went viral. Back in the days when things went viral, it went to like the Boston Globe or somebody like that. And they actually told him, here you go, sir, we want you to use this board. This is for you. And he actually writes back and says, well, thank you for your kind kindness and your 
ingenuity with this device, but I hardly think I'll be consulting the state of affairs of our country with this tool. <laughs> I'm sure there, um, sure there were some other funny, presidents who I did. must say this, it, the board actually goes back further, or ideas of using a board, and we know this again because it was written up in certain publications, whether it was the Boston Globe or the New York Tribune, but back in, let me see, the earliest thing I have, I you, think you the told date me, was, it was 1871. You told me so Greece one time. Say you, the board goes back to that 1871. Sorry to interrupt you, but didn't you say Greece one time, like different remnants of Greece or in Egypt? Well, people say this, and, and i got to tell you, there's no proof of this. People say, oh, the Ouija board started in Greece, ancient China, ancient Greece. Well, from our work at the Talking Board Historical Society and everything that we've looked up, um, and, and the research we found, there's nothing that proves that people write about it in books and say that's a fact, kind of like the rooster thing. But the, uh, you, we have to talk about what a Ouija board really comprises of. And so we can say, yes, there were oracles and throwing of stones and bones and pointing devices to letters, but that's not what a Ouija is. And what makes a Ouija a Ouija is that little wonderful planchette that moves underneath your fingers. So there's there's techni technical things here, but um, the research we found, there's nothing that says that that was a board, but we can say from letters that were written in history and things that were published in these publications that even talks about from the quarterly review in 1871, there were two women who used kind of a planchette thing that went under their hands while pointing to letters and images on different cards, which is kind of the idea of starting to get a Ouija board. So it was like, like these little alphabet cards and they were starting to use something that moved around and pointed to them. That's still not a Ouija, but that kind of leads up to it. And then in 1876, uh, in, a, in the book, the, sorry, the journal called the American Spiritualist Magazine, these, these uh, husband and wife painted a table with letters of the alphabet on it and they used a polished rod that went underneath their fingers and it started moving around to the different letters. So there you go, you're starting to get into the Ouija board thing. And then it goes on and on. And then 1886 is when in Ohio, there was this huge, uh, gosh, what would you call it? A movement. And they talked about, they called it the, um, the new planchette, a mysterious talking board and table over which Northern Ohio is agitated. And this came out in the New York Tribune. And what they said is that there was a board and they had this device on top of it that moved around and it would say, go to yes, no, the letters of the alphabet or good evening and good night. And so that really is when we start seeing the board appear, and then in 1886, the witch board that was given to President Grover Cle Cleveland. So we can technically say a talking board goes back to the 1871, and then a Ouija board, which is the patent trademark name, as we've talked about before, came out 1890-91 was when it hit the market. I've heard other presidents have used a Ouija board. I've heard all about Ronald and Nancy Reagan. You know anything about that? I don't. And I know they were big into astrology. She sure was. And that was her choice of divination. I never heard they used a Ouija board. So if you, I'd love to hear more about that. Now, I know Mary Lincoln Todd also. Um, That's would, right. Yeah. I've yeah, heard that. She would do heard the seances that. in there, but they never talked about it using a Ouija board. So, now, that go, was before the Ouija board, actually. So I guess, I mean, you know, around the time. But um, they could have, they, they did a lot of other things. Like seances, you guys, that's that's a huge way of doing um, divination, spiritual readings. That was that was big and prominent. 1848, we know uh, with the Fox sisters in upper state New York, when they were doing the rappings and knockings, and they, they said they were it was spirits coming through the walls and the floorboards. But then they recanted their story and said later they were cracking their knuckles and popping their toes, and that made the sound. <laughs> <laughs> but spiritualism, that's when spiritualism in the United States was born. 
And that's when people started saying, we don't need, uh, they were looking at apparatuses and devices, but we, we, we ourselves are communicating directly mediumship. And they, it was all about talking to the, to the deceased. I think it's really interesting, Karen, like as uh, over the years, throughout all of mankind, as man developed this idea about nature and God and out of that comes an understanding of the, the fundamental laws of nature that later through myth became scientific observation. And then it kind of, um, I think it kind of proceeded. I did a show on this last week where I talked about the priests of the techno garden, where the new priests today are the scientists and they've kind of done away with God. And so we focus rather on God we focus on human affairs and what humans can create. And it seems like there was kind of like, there's kind of like a division or something like that, uh, where you've had people that turn away from God and turn to science, and others, I wouldn't say they turned away from God, but they turn to trying to communicate with the other side in a different way. So there's like a, but I think it's a scientific process, though. I just think we look at these things differently, but really divination is a scientific process as much as observing, uh, you know, why the wind blows or why there's lightning. I think it's still a scientific process. And, and maybe because it doesn't have that association, it doesn't get the kind of respect that it deserves. Right. Because and I think part of it, I mean, there's a lot of reasons probably why, but I'm going to say in my opinion, I think it's part of it's because um, it, it's, it's the mysterious, it's the unknown. And, and even though science looks at the unknown and all of a sudden, then next thing you know, we got neutrons, protons, electrons, and quarks. We've got all these things that we didn't know we had, you know, hundreds of years ago. So it, it's like that. It's like until we can actually come forward with some proof and evidence, it's, it's more like you know, the wind, you can't always see it, but you can see the remnants of it, how it moves through. And so when you do divination and you get these uh, messages, whether it's prophecy or you're, you're doing mediumship, or you're speaking to the deceased and you get information that you shouldn't know, there's something happening there. And to say it's just me talking to the dead, and maybe it's also me tapping into this higher consciousness that Platonic philosophy talked about, that we all have this universe, these universal qualities we can tap into, and from there we can get our reading. So maybe, you know, we don't know exactly how it's working, why it's working, but we know something's happening because people say, wow, I'm blown away by that reading. I, yes, that was my father that came through because there's no, no way you would have known that secret word or, or, or this happened, this came to, to pass. And I just got that message yesterday. You know, it's those things that we, that becomes the proof for the individual. What I find, um, for, for myself is the more and deeper I got into this work, and I didn't always just use the Ouija board, although that's the the tool that I love the most. I've I, I've done the I Ching, Tarot, Pendulum, um, <clears throat> Water Witching, uh, which is dowsing rods basically, uh, and mediumship, all kinds of things, and and um, um, reading objects and reading auras and seeing seeing auras and things of that nature. Uh, what I find is I didn't need to prove it to anybody. For me, it was like I knew. I didn't just believe or hope something was happening. I knew when I started getting that feedback from, from either readings I was doing or even just for myself or seeing apparitions or things that would come to pass. That was, that's all I needed. So it got to a point where I knew, and it didn't matter if science could prove it for me. There, right. I was in the realm of knowing that, that no need to prove anything to me anymore. And that's, that's a level that people often get to when they go down this path and, and do it for some time. And then they realize I don't have to prove it to anybody anymore. And that, that's, that's where I got, that's where I got for so many years of doing this work. There's no need to prove. Well, it's like in science, you have all these different fields. 
you have all these different areas of expertise. And whatever you might call the occult or the paranormal is just, I think, another field of scientific observation. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, the, the television and the radio were both invented as a result of attempts to make contact with the spirit world and to capture psychic influences. That's Isn't that a, that, amazing? That's a documented I mean, scientific fact. The inventors of these devices were trying to communicate with spirits and, oh, look, there's a radio. Look, there's... There's an argument based on whether McConey actually invented the radio first or if Tesla did. I think the right. United States government confirmed Tesla did it first. But still, the, 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 these people all throughout history, I mean, whether it's Robert Hooke, uh, he was an alchemist. Uh, uh, you had uh, people like William Harvey, uh, people like Francis Crick, uh, all these mm-hmm. famous scientists who were actual practicing alchemists practicing magicians in some cases and they yeah. just happen to come up with these amazing scientific advances maybe maybe it's something more maybe they're getting this information from that other side you know it's so important to explore and discover and that's what we're talking about here exploration and discovery and then then things start to move forward and you go wow that, that came out of this for example like you talk about tesla he really it was the guy who invented modern day cell towers I mean, he was trying to communicate with extraterrestrials at one point. Yes, he thought yes. he really was sending out a signal and getting signals back. I mean, th- we're talking stuff that was way be- before his time. Most of these men are, are were way before their time. If Tesla was here today, he would be fit right in, I think, with what's going on. But but he really is probably the guy who created the modern-day cell tower, 5G. Thank you, Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. Some people have brought up that uh, that quote recently on social media about the little devices that you communicate with mm-hmm. and how that was kind of a prediction of cell phones. I don't know if you saw that, but that was from yeah, Tesla. Yeah. I, I mean, it, absolutely. I mean, these things keep developing. And so, you know, we're going back to the Ouija. Did it develop in ancient Greece? Not necessarily, no, but there's definitely influences that kept pushing it. And so so let's go back to the 1848s when, when the group, the Fox sisters were doing their rapping and knocking stuff. And I really believe it was happening, but they had to recant and they were made, they, they were just kind of pretty much made fun of. And they had to say they did that. It wasn't happening. I want to believe it was happening. I'll say it that way. But around that same time, people started, here we go. Like what Tesla was doing and science is doing, they started experimenting with all kinds of apparatuses and devices. I mean, numerous weird looking contraptions that they were hoping would communicate with the other side, the other dimension, the mostly it was the afterlife, the deceased. And then along comes, I, you know, to even talk about the Ouija board, we must talk about the planchette. And the, the planchette came from France, and it was, it, planchette actually translates to a little plank. And so it's like a little piece of wood, and it was on casters, and it could roll around, and it would write. So they had an aperture in it where you put a pencil or a pen or some kind of writing device inside of it, and that was the third leg or the fourth leg. And it would move around and it would write out messages to people. And you put your hands on it, it would move. And I have one of those. I'm looking at one right now sitting in front of me that I have a... I've a, got one here too. Oh, do you? Mine's like a maple one made by um, Paranormal Products who makes wonderful um, planchettes. It's more of a simple device and I like it. And I have a couple of them. I'm not as good with that tool, but people were experimenting with that in France with spiritism. Ellen Kardec and all that whole spiritism movement that started over there, um, they brought forth this planchette, this writing device, actually was a basket with a pencil in it, then became this apparatus. Well, in 1858, the planchette made its way to, to the United States. And once that little 
planchette was used, it was like, it would be messy. It would spell over right over itself. And it was not the best device to use while they're creating all these other devices to use to communicate. Although it, it lasted, uh, I was at his heyday. I want to say for like 23 years, I think it was until the Ouija came out. So they took this little apparatus, uh, took out the aperture. So it didn't have a pencil or pen in it anymore. Made that into uh, like a paddle shape. You put your hands on it. And had like an end of the paddle that pointed and paired it with this board, this talking board, the board with the letters and numbers, and away they went. Now it became a lot more functional. You just wrote the letters down. Still, it's a slow process, a laborious. But if you get pretty fast at it, like I am, it, it can move pretty quickly. And that that's what we have to talk about when we talk about the Ouija board, is the pairing of this apparatus, this paddle-like indicator planchette with the board. And, and voila, you've got a talking board slash Ouija board now. When you look at that Ouija board and you see all those letters and all those numbers on it, letters and numbers, they have their own vibration. And when you go and you use that board, it's your intention and your will and what you're trying to connect with that really brings it in, is it not? It's not something where there's like an open portal per se that anything just jumps into. It's your energy that attracts it. Is that correct? I would have to say that's absolutely correct. Um, again, this is all coming from the filters of my own mind and my own heart. I always tell people, you know, check what you harbor within before you do any kind of, of work like this. Ch check if you have all these fears, you're going to draw that to you. And it, I'm not saying it's necessarily real or not real. I'm just saying fears within ourselves are our own demons. And so when we have such of that intention about ourselves, we can draw those other energies around us to, to right. ourselves. So I don't see it like a portal. Anything is going to jump in. It never has been that way for me, but people claim it's that way for them. And I would say it's not the board people. It's not the board at all. It's yourself. Well, after, so really look at yourself first before using such a device. After all these years, you still have not burst into flames. Not yet. And you know, it's, it's 47 <laughs> plus years now and I haven't burst into flames. She's not burst into flames yet. That's good. I hope that you can stay safe the whole week. <laughs> Because we've got Fringe Fest at the end of the week. Can you tell us what you're going to be talking about, when you're going to be talking? Yeah, okay, so Fringe Fest, I'm really looking forward to this, everybody. I, I hope you come on out. Um, it's two days, as Ryan said. I'm speaking at 11 o'clock uh, Pacific time on the Saturday, the 31st, on Halloween. I'll be t talking, of course, about the Ouija board. I'll be going into more detail, a little bit about the history. I want people to understand that. I just touched on it briefly here. And difference between talking boards, spirit boards, Ouija board, and we'll talk about how to use it and things of that nature to get great results. I don't, I let everybody use the board the way they want to, but I will share some great results. And I will also be sharing some of my own personal stories. I have thousands and thousands of hours on this tool and I'm going to explain it more in detail and share some really cool stories and maybe one little spooky story too. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this. And I also understand after I speak, there will be an opportunity to do question and answers. So if you guys are interested in hearing me speak and want to ask your own personal questions, I will be there to answer them. So it's going to be a great time. And I, I'm excited and very honored to be a part of a wonderful lineup of, of just awesome speakers. It's exciting. Very you, exciting. You were the first one I called. I when we were putting this together, I thought, you know what? Karen Dahlman. I called because I have your phone number. So I called up Karen yep. and I said, let's do it. And she said, I'm in. So Yeah, they called me. You and you and Joe, we talked about it. It was fantastic. And 
I love it. And so, yeah, it, it's out of my newsletter. And if you guys, if you guys don't follow me right now, definitely go to KarenADalman.com. Join my newsletter. You can check it out. All the things I'm doing. I've got a lot of fun stuff coming up for this, this holiday season with <laughs> Halloween. Everybody wants to talk to me because of Halloween. Of um, course. And some other events coming up of too. Of course. Of course. It's a busy time of the year for you. Karen Dahlman, our guest this evening. She is the director of the Talking Board Historical Society. 47 years, never exploded into flames yet. I haven't exploded into flames either, and I'm surrounded by all kinds of things that people might say are a little bit fringe. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, thefringefest.com. Get your tickets today. Use the promo code Ryan, R-Y-A-N, or you could use Karen as well for a discount on those tickets. Thefringefest.com. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more with Karen after this. Don't go anywhere. Could listen to this. And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. Since I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some Galactic Confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books. www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff... If it wasn't for those guys. And then they could the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and I host live talk here on the Fringe FM. If you're sick of hearing about COVID-19, I invite you to listen to my show, 7 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday nights, for a COVID-free zone. We will not be talking about the C word. We discuss news, society, and culture, but not COVID-19. Go listen to the other fear mongers if you want to hear that nonsense. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide. It's the Fringe FM. So perception is the key. Psychological warfare is the technique. And the heart yeah. is the solution. 
Heart perception will change everything. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Our guest this evening, Karen Dolman. We've been talking about divination, contacting the divining. The word divining or divination comes from divine. Contacting things that are beyond this world, but still very much a part of this world, part of the tree of life. Communicating with those things, perhaps deriving some form of substantial meaning to the information that we get from the other side. Or, you know, you think about it, we're also the other side. It's an upside-down world. Maybe we're upside-down to that other upside-down world. That's a cheap form of, like, philosophical observation. But I like to philosophize. I like to objectively kind of analyze I've really come to notice that on this radio show over the years, I'm kind of like the the observational comic that just says, hey, do you ever notice this? And it doesn't mean that I support it or don't support it, but I just kind of say, hey, do you ever notice this? Like, Karen, have you ever noticed that you get sometimes people that are really opposed to Ouija, they're really opposed to talking boards, they're really opposed to any kind of divinatory tool. You ever notice that those kinds of mindsets are I think equally as, I don't know if I want to say ignorant, but equally as narrow as the people that use it intentionally to do things that are irresponsible. Does that make sense? That's just my observation. Yeah, well, you know, it does make sense. When we're, we are so, okay, we walk, we, let's say we go through life with, our, with blinders on, like the horse that's in a parade. It's like, that's a narrow vision we have. And you were missing so much in life. And I love what you said. These unseen dimensions are just as part of life as what we experience and what we think is physical. And we got to remember now, all physical form is just vibrating molecules. It really is. You can, it's really at a certain speed. You really can move through everything. Animated and by so, spirit. Absolutely. And so I, I, I would call you the dot connector. And I would, and if I talk about the trove deck, I would say you're the magician in the tro deck. That's that would be your card. <laughs> I'm the magician, but I live like the hermit. I'll take either. <laughs> that is so true. It, that is so true. And I have very much hermetic qualities and hermit qualities, and hermetic hermit qualities, qualities yeah. within me as well. And um, I think most people that do this work, that are willing to reach into the fringe, the other dimensions, I call it the unseen dimensions, uh, just other multi multiverses. It's like we all are probably the magicians. We have to have our tools, our, our direction, and our intention to move in those spaces. So I say to life, I say be open. I would say um, celebrate your independence, take risk, calculate a risk. Explore and discover what else is there to do. That's these are the building blocks blocks of creativity. The guides who are the beings that I speak to in the board talk to me often about the building blocks of creativity. And it the whole idea is when once we take those blinders off 
and start seeing peripherally and even move our head and start seeing what's around us. It's amazing how the world just opens. The world opens and you start going down this path that I've been going down like all these years since a very, well, when I was very young, I was already going down this path. I came into the world going down this path, basically, that I find that it just gets that much more rich. And what I mean by that, I start experiencing things that other people I know, a lot of people are not experiencing, and I'm 100% comfortable with it, and so much more comfortable talking about it now and sharing it with people if they choose to hear. One of the things I think interesting about is, is interesting about the Ouija board or about any kind of divinatory tool, and, and it's just for a matter of like definition. I, I need to have a definition personally before I can proceed in any conversation. And so when someone says to me, or or it's implied, and and they just don't know, and I didn't know at one point either. They say, well, like the Ouija board or you know a pendulum or something like that. That's demonic. It's something that can possess you, etc. It's like, well, if you want to kind of get technical about it, demons don't really possess objects. They possess people. And spirits don't really possess people. They possess objects. So if you're going to look at it from a technical standpoint, nothing of a divinatory practice or a divinatory tool is demonic. It's actually spiritual, which I think, if we use that terminology, adds a new definition or the proper definition, and it kind of creates a new paradigm for looking at these things. They're certainly by no definition demonic. They are spiritual tools. And I say they are neutral. <clears throat> they are neutral tools. And like here, I've got one of my Ouija boards here. I have my William Fold 19, circa 1950-ish board. And it's a larger, one of the larger Ouija boards. And I love it because there's a lot of extra space around the letters so the planchette doesn't fall off the board. And um, I've been using it for some time now. I just love this board. So it does I look at it and I go, it's neutral. I mean, it's just, it's an object. It's, this is compressed particle board. Um, it, it's what I project upon it, what I place upon it and my thoughts and intentions and how I want to use this tool. Again, you guys, it's yourself. It's yourself that does this, but I'm like you, Ryan. I like to call it a spiritual tool because that's how I use it uh, on that level. Yeah, you know, you could take uh, anything here in my studio. I have a I have a couple Ouija boards actually in my studio. I've got a big one and a really small one, but I have all kinds of stuff with writing and letters on it. I mean, I could take a planchette to yeah. any of it and sit it down and try to communicate. I don't, that doesn't make anything I have in my studio demonic. I mean, we talk about this every time that you're on. I just I'm just making an observation. It just kind of you know it irks me a little bit. You know how much it irks me. I do. It works me too at times. So, and I, I kind of laugh at it. So here's an example, you guys, um, Ruth Montgomery, this is like back in the, I want to say it was 50s, 60s, 70s, and not even 70s, 50s, 60s. She would, she would do automatic writing with a keyboard. Now is her keyboard demonic now? Because she was getting spiritual messages <laughs> through it. And it wasn't a keyboard. Excuse of me. It was course. a typewriter. <laughs> of course. We're talking typewriter. And I'm, you know, I will get messages sometimes and use my keyboard. Now, does that mean I got thrown away because it's possessed because I had a message come through? We have to look at this logically. That's what I say. The guides once said, are letters written on, with chalk on the sidewalk evil? Even if that's the same letters you use when you, you use on the board to spell. Do you want to avoid it? I have a mouse pad here too. That's actually a little Ouija board mouse pad. I have and I a, use it every day for all the work I do. And I have it right here in front of me as we're talking. Is that mean my, my mouse is possessed now? Cause it sits on the, 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 uh, Ouija board plant, uh, Ouija board, uh, mouse pad. What you need, what you need. And by the way, not only do I have a Ouija board, like tapestry, I have a Ouija board. It's kind of like a cheap kid's version from a thrift store. I have that on the wall. And then I also have a Ouija board cup. So I'm surrounded by Ouija as well. And I was thinking if I had a Ouija board, <laughs> mouse pad i think we should develop a mouse that's kind of like a planchette and it has a little 
you know, viewing thing in the center, and then you can move it around your mouse pad. I think I think you should <laughs> yeah, develop that. Well, I'll tell you what what we did once. My board partner Rodney and myself, we did a show, and this was on YouTube, and we did a show about how you can use anything, pretty much anything in your house that's you know that that moves around and has a, a flat surface or a, or a smooth surface as a planchette. And we actually used my mouse, my my little mouse right here, my mouse that I use on my Mac computer. So you have done the, that. You've done that. Yeah, we put it on the board <laughs> and used it as a planchette. <laughs> That's different. I've, I've never, I was just joking, I guess, that you really can use anything to, to oh, practice. Oh, I do. I purposely want to show people that it, it, it's, it's not a planchette that's going to be demonic or bored. I, I, I use a paper sack. I, I show that purposely. I remember I you told me sack, that. Write the numbers and letters on it, and away we go. And I might use a um, double old-fashioned, or I use a, a CD. You guys, those old CDs, uh, they have a hole in the middle. They, they, they're smooth. They work wonderfully i took a bunch of them to the uk and i got everybody out there so using them <laughs> during one of my ouija demonstrations um so really you guys there's a lot of things you can use as the planchette i do like using the planchette that comes with the board i have mine that i got in 1973 has a little brass tab in the middle and i that's my favorite planchette because it's my original planchette just love it now now on to some halloween related stuff number one are you building the giant ouija board again i'd imagine no because i haven't heard anything about it and it's almost Halloween. Yeah, no, unfortunately. Now, Rick Shrek, who's the VP of the Talking Board Historical Society, he created that large Ouija board, the world's largest. It was in Ripley's, believe it or not, recently. We all have our copies. If you don't have your copy, go get it. And when you come out to Michigan Paracon, Rick, Rick will be there. He can sign your, bo your book. Um, anyway, he did that, and that was in Salem last year, the month of uh, October. We, we set it up in the very beginning. It was only up for two days dismantled it and it will appear somewhere else we can't say just yet so but it i will is, tell you this it you is come coming out to michigan back paracon next year ryan i hope you come in august as long as we have it we will have the world's largest planchette there the largest planchette you got to get that over to the largest ouija board yes so the the, the, the ouija board is 99 uh ply boards big so it's we need a lot of space for it so it, it, that's why we set it up in the salem commons uh, park uh, last year. It was you know, really fun, but it will, it will make an appearance again. And Rick had created one Halloween. This is uh, several Halloweens back. This is when he first started making big Ouija boards. He made one the size, almost the size of his house. It was attached to his house and he, they would sit behind it. People come up and ask questions and they would answer. It was, and it moved around and lit up, but it was really, really cool. Uh, he's got something else up his sleeve this year for Halloween that he's making. But, um, that you guys just, just keep your eye and we'll let you know, um, out there and you come to tbhs.org and that's what we announce when we do these really cool events. Okay. So let me tell you a quick story. I worked at Target a long time ago, not proud of it, but when I worked there in electronics, pe people <laughs> would come in all the time. And they would ask me, they'd say, which is the best TV to get? And I'd say, well, of all the TVs, you don't, don't want to get the smart TV. And they'd say, why? I'd say, well, because it watches and listens and it reports you to law, law enforcement, right? And they said, that's not true. What are you talking about? And so I took them to the iPad section in Target, and I pulled it up on the websites of the companies and showed them, and they were kind of weirded out. They're like, what are you talking about still after they read it? Well, I, I remember I, would, I, would, I told a few people, I said, well, listen, I just interviewed the head of the National Security Agency, Bill Binney. And they look at you like, what are you talking about, dude? You work at Target. <laughs> and and, and that's, that happened recently with you, Karen. I was, I, was, I was talking to somebody about Ouija boards, and they said, did you see that giant Ouija board up in Salem? And I said, yeah, my friend built that. I, <laughs> I sound crazy, but my friend really did build that. You, you helped to build that. But no, yeah, yeah, no, I went there and put it together and took it apart with Rick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no wonder people think that I'm crazy. I'm just working at a store, but I know the NSA director and I know Karen Dahlman. 
comes off as weird. But yeah, Karen built that. That's really cool. <laughs> Giant Ouija board. I've got so many Ouija boards. I don't even, I never even thought about that until I just started looking around the room talking to you. I have four Ouija boards in here, Karen. Wow. That, know, you've, your collection's really growing, hasn't it? It is. I don't even know where they all came from. I got Ouija board cups. I got Ouija board tapestries. I've got Ouija boards. I've got planchettes. Yeah, I don't know. Something's happening. I'm, I'm getting like subconsciously, it's just drawn see to me. you're drawn to the dark side just kidding yes. people i just like to have a joke with this with brian because we we know it that's just malarkey <laughs> i have my by the way i'm drinking my coffee right now out of my ouija uh, mug i have a couple ouija of those mug, now. I have right. ouija glasses you guys i have ouija everything i have ouija coasters ouija mouse pad i got i have 51 <laughs> 52 ouija boards now um i have a ouija blanket a ouija clothes ouija hat ouija socks I got Ouija galore, Ouija pins, Ouija everything. I if, love Ouija. If Ouija, <laughs> if Ouija was a cat, Karen would be the crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would name my cat Ouija. You'd wait, name your cat. You had some cats. You still have your cats? I did. I do, you guys. And, and this is what's really fun. Um, well, my other two cats have died in the last couple of years, and Ryan has met my cats. I think you met all of my cats, didn't you? You met I the white so. one too. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you did. Um, and so my, I have one cat left, his name is Bear, and you guys, he adopted me, came to my back door. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this story is I didn't know his name, and I, I, I was like trying to find his owners. Nobody came, and I finally washed him up, and I, I was going to take him to a no-kill shelter and let him be adopted out. I said, no, I'm going to keep this cat. He really is a wonderful cat. He wanted it to – he liked me. I liked him. He's really cute. He's the cat I have left now. He's um, seven years old. So I said, what do I name him? You know, I'm thinking, what do I name him? So I sat down at the board with one of my partners. Her name is Rhonda, her, my board partner. And we sat down, and we just started using the Ouija board. I think we were talking to my angel at the time. And then all of a sudden, it says, I like the name Bear. We said, what? It just popped in. <laughs> we're like, who is this? And we looked down. The cat's laying – the new cat was just laying on the floor – looking up at us. I said, Oh my God, did he just name himself. We said, so you want to be called bear? And he says, yes. And I said, what was your old name? He goes, George, I don't like George. I said, okay, we'll call you bear. And I said, why bear? And he goes, well, that's a strong animal. I like bear. I said, okay, his <laughs> name is bear. So he named himself on through the Ouija board tool. <laughs> is it easier to, but whether it's animals or spirits or whatever, because obviously your cat's, your cat was very much alive doing that. Yes. Is it, is it easier to communicate with these, these energies around Halloween or around any time of the year where the veil is thinned? Well, you know, I, I think because it is an auspicious time, we all think that and, and our thoughts become in energetic fields. And so we help create that auspic auspicious time. We we know that with all these holidays and celebrations, Samhain and going way back to these earlier traditions that celebrated the fall festival, the fire and all these things that you mentioned, it, it does bring it forth an energy. And it's kind of like the law of critical mass. Enough people think about it or celebrate, you've got some energy going. So yes, I mean, I love using the Ouija board this time of year. And I, for years, I would have a, I like to call it a seance because it sounds spooky, but I do a Halloween seance with the board and just have my own private session or with people sometimes. And then we've been, we were doing radio shows where we did this, we did it on a radio shows for several years in a row. It was a really a lot of fun. But yeah, I think you could tap into that energy. This is a wonderful time to get your board out and try it if you're not very very good at using it you might get some extra luck with it all right so halloween. so for halloween and for fringe fest because karen dolman's going to be speaking at fringe fest karen tell us what is the one piece of advice you'd give first time users and what is the one piece of advice you'd give long time users and then tell us quickly about what you're going to be discussing again at fringe fest sure well i i mentioned already what the first level of advice is for first time users 
And that would be, you know, check, check what you harbor within, check yourself first. That's it. I always say, check your baggage at the door, <laughs> leave it aside and get into like a neutral state or even a happy state before you use this tool. That's, that's what I would tell the first time users, uh, users, people have been using this board forever. I would say, push the boundaries of consciousness, push it. Don't limit yourself to the deceased. You can communicate with your higher self to the board. I, I did that for four years. Um, you can communicate with animals dead and alive. And by the way, there's no such thing as dead. There's no such thing as death. The guides tell me this all the time. What instead, what there is, is there's just life after life after life after life, a continuation of spirit and form. So push the boundaries of consciousness. I will touch on that a little bit at Fringe Fest, but it's going to be more like Ouija 101 and wielding the Ouija. But those that are have been using the board, I'm going to help you get out of the, you know this one rut of what you think this tool's for, and really begin to look at what else you can do with it. And I will talk about that during Fringe Fest. Some some really out there things that are just are mind blowing. So when I use this tool, and I'm going to share about that at Fringe Fest too, is I really use it to as my great cosmic phone. I often call it to dial the different frequencies and have all kinds of communications with them. Karen Dahlman, K-A-R-E-N. You can use Karen or Ryan, R-Y-A-N. I'm not concerned with statistics, so you can use either one, whichever one you remember, as a promo code. If you go to thefringefest.com to purchase tickets, they're like $10, $15, so they're cheap tickets. You get access to the whole two days of streaming, including Karen's talk. And when again is that, Karen? I'm going to be speaking on Saturday, which is Halloween, 11 o'clock in the morning on Pacific Time. That's one o'clock on Eastern time. And yes, you guys, when you check out by your tickets, you'll get 15% off by using either his name or my name. Excellent. TheFringeFest.com. Karen, thank you so much. Where can listeners find your website? Is it KarenADolman.com? Yeah, KarenADolman.com. Just remember, remember my name or you can find me at TBHS.org. You can find me on YouTube under Karen A. Dahlman. Um, come join me. Join my newsletter and you'll know where I'm speaking next. And I would love to meet you and hear about your stories with the Ouija. And one more thing for me. Can you spell your last name for listeners? Sure. D-A-H-L-M-A-N. And remember to put that middle initial in there, KarenADolman.com. Karen thank you, Ryan, Dahlman. so much. And thank you to everybody out there. I appreciate it as always, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. KarenADolman.com, director of the Talking Board Historical Society. She's nuts for Ouija, just like I am. This is the Fringe FM Fringe Fest this weekend. Don't forget about it. October 30th, October 31st, Halloween. That's when you can listen to Karen. TheFringeFest.com TheFringeFest.com If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com Subscribe to our archive and get access to the montages as well at www.thesecretteachings.info And find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. You could listen to this. And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. Since I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now. So I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history 
symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some Galactic Confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and I host live talk here on the Fringe FM. If you're sick of hearing about COVID-19, I invite you to listen to my show, 7 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday nights, for a COVID-free zone. We will not be talking about the C word. We discuss news, society, and culture, but not COVID-19. Go listen to the other fear mongers if you want to hear that nonsense. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide. It's the Fringe FM. So perception is the key. Psychological warfare is the technique. And the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. No. Did you buy Alexa? No, I don't know why people would voluntarily bug your own house. <laughs> like, do you think you're the only one listening in on that? You never saw weird science, how creepy these nerds are, all these cameras on your phone, all of that. The people go on Ancestry.com. Why would you send your saliva into the Internet? Why don't you just go to the Illuminati and help them build your robot replacement? Do you like the secret teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books. Available in PDF and soft cover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit the Secret Teachings. 
This is Jess Rogie with the Rogie Report News, and you're listening to The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. The truth is out there, and so are we. I've got one that can see. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, the choice is yours. Do you have everything you need to explore the secret teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? 